I guess y'all are the ones that didn't read the schedule. We used to have a slot on the month we put TBA because we didn't know who was going to speak, so it to be announced. But uh, but we've had a few people fall ill, and we think they're all getting better. Seems like, but uh, we've got a a good number of people here for what's befallen our congregation. So good to have y'all here. In Ecclesiastes, first chapter, in verse 8, we read, All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Here the preacher is talking about people that can just never get enough. They, they, they can never be, never be satisfied, never be content. And we wonder in life sometimes, you know, when you're young and especially those people that are young and they got small children and, you know, starting out in life, they wonder if they'll ever have enough money, you know, to buy everything they need and to pay their bills and to do things. And sometimes wonder if you have enough time to do what you want to do. You know, every day of our life we're faced with, questions like this that we, we kind of got to think about and uh, wonder if we've got enough. In 1 Timothy 6, in verse 6, the Bible tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. This is comforting, and we usually think about this verse when we're thinking about being content and being satisfied with things, but I think we overlook sometimes that the godliness comes first, and that's what helps us to be satisfied with what we have in life. And there are people in various venues, various uh, use various methods to try to teach people to be satisfied and to feel accomplished and to to to. Uh, be happy in life. And they call some of these people, they call them life coaches. And uh, other people are called motivational speakers. And then they have the people that are called uh, TV evangelists. They're on TV today telling people how to be happy and how to be rich and how God wants them to be this way and just mail them some money and they'll make this happen for you. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the world that are so unhappy they're willing to do that. Well, you don't have to, today. There's no money got to be mailed to us to make to make this lesson any different. But uh, we, I would like to provoke people to consider these questions and and ask yourself sometimes if you have enough, and think about sometimes what it is, whether it's wealth or whether it's your spare time. Uh, had a friend, he's a fisherman. I've never seen so many things in a boat, but he's got all these tackle boxes in you undo them and they just fold out. They just keep folding out. And they've got, he's got motor oil worms. He's got jigs that's for top of the water and jigs that's for going under stumps and all kinds of stuff to fish with. And I asked him, I said, well, have you got enough? He said, well, I, I will have. <laughs> 
he works at that. But it doesn't matter what it is, what we're, what we're worried about having enough of. Uh, I'd like to study about the contentment side of our life. You know, when we think about a lot of things, you think about wealth and, and money and riches and the things that money buys that we use in this life. In Proverbs 30 and verse 8, we read, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. You know, most people will tell you it's better to be rich than to be poor. John Wayne was quoted. Um, John Wayne's one of my favorite guys. He's uh, in a lot of ways. He had a lot of good things to say besides what he said on, on the big screen. But he said one time that money wouldn't buy happiness. But he said it's more comfortable to cry in a Cadillac than it is on a bicycle. You know, it, it doesn't change your problem. You still have the problem if you've got money or you don't have money. It might change the way that you approach your problem. It might change the comfort level that you might have in a physical way, but rich people have just as many problems as poor people. The ninth verse of that same chapter said, Lest I be fool and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal take the name of the Lord in vain. You know, I can remember times and uh, when my financial situation was a source of stress. That Those things kind of cycle back and forth sometimes. Uh, we were talking before church about how much fertilizer was going to cost. You know, I can guarantee you one thing. It'll be more than I want to pay for it. I guarantee you that, Dana. But uh, we talk about finances a lot. You know, people remind, remind us about our finances. The bank sends us statements in the mail. The, everybody else sends us bills in the mail. Politicians tell us if we'll just vote for them, they'll make it okay. And I don't know which politician you listen to, but they all say that. But you know, that's really not the source of our stress. The money has never been the source of our stress. In Ecclesiastes 4 and 6, we read, Better is a handful with quietness than both hands full with travail and vexation of the Spirit. You know, I had a job one time that paid a lot of money for, for my education level and for, for all that. And, uh, but you know, you never got done. And you, 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 you worked all the time. And it was, it was stressful. And it was a tough job. And you uh, couldn't get enough sleep. And it wasn't worth it. That's what that verse is kind of talking about. There's, there's times that it's just not worth having all that money because what you have to go through to get it. How much you have isn't as important as how well you can use what you have and how much you can enjoy it. Proverbs 16 and 8 says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenue without right. You know how we acquire things has a lot to do with how important it is to us and how enjoyable it can be to us. 
You know, we can count our blessings when we have time to, and we can we can think about where it come from. We can be thankful for it, and uh, blessings are are wonderful, whether they're physical or spiritual, or or those of love from our friends, but. Without righteousness and without the time to, to look out at it and reflect on it, we can't enjoy it. And that brings me to the second point of the morning is our attitude. And that's what's most important here, I believe. In Galatians 5 and 26, it said, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, many times, it's not necessarily just the wealth people are after. They're, they're wanting honor. They want to be respected. They want to be something that is important to them. They may want to run for office. They may want to be a, 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 an important person in their organization where they work. They want to desire the praise of other people. And it's easy to want those. Those are really nice things to have sometimes. It's really enjoyable to, to have people look up to you. But it says don't be desiring this in a way that you'll provoke one another or envy one another, fuss and fight and, and do things you shouldn't do to get it. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, we read, And as God has distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all churches. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called, and art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. That kind of sounds a little bit confusing, but it's really not because when you think about Everybody that's called, that's, that's obeyed the gospel, the Lord's made you free. He's, he's freed you from the bondage of sin. That's what He's done. But He's called you to be like Him and to be a servant. So it doesn't matter if you're a servant or not. You're both free and you're both a servant if you're in Christ. And we need to, to serve Him. You know, all through the, the verses we've looked at, it's talked about righteousness and contentment, godliness and contentment, being satisfied with God. And that's what this is about. We need to be satisfied with whatever it is that, that the Lord wants us to do. In Titus 2, and verse 12, we read, "...teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly." Righteousness and godly in this present world. When you think about the world, I suppose there's a way we could probably live and not be in the world. I, I, I don't want to uh, try to get into how that could happen, but but I. I've watched, a, I watched a, we and Tamara watched a long documentary about a man that went to Alaska, spent 25 years in the wilderness in Alaska. Now, I was really in, interested in that guy. 
But, you know, that's about what you'd probably have to do. And then still yet, he had an airplane come in a couple of times a year and brought him stuff. But uh, he wasn't completely out of the world. But it's easy to get caught up in the world. It's easy to get to thinking, I have people tell me about this new phone. Well, I don't even like my old phone. <laughs> I don't know about a new phone. But, but they do. They're caught up in this new phone they, they're found. And all the things you can do with it. And uh, and we all have our thing that we get get caught up in. It didn't just the people with the phone's fault. Don't get me wrong. We're uh, we're all living in this world, and there's things in it that's going to appeal to us. They're made to appeal to us. It's people people spend millions and millions of dollars in research trying to make things appeal to us. So it's not an accident that it happens. First John 2 and 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. All is a lot. All is everything. Everything in the world is not of the Father, it says. But you know, we still need these things, don't we? We still need... We still, need, we still need to pay our bills. We need to be good citizens. We need sometimes to be able to, to, to donate things to people. We need to be able to, to uh, somebody does work for us, we need to be able to treat them fairly and, and justly and, and pay them. So we can't live without the things that are in the world while we're in the world. And we're, we're going to have to Get through this life in a way that's uh, that's righteous and just, and treats people correctly. In Hebrews thirteen and five, we read, "Be content with such things as you have, for He has said, I will never leave you or forsake you." You know, being content, being satisfied, feeling full is what that means. Feeling like you have what you need. It's this contentment. It's a way of showing God that we're, we're truly thankful and we're grateful for what He's provided for us. I was a... with a fellow one time and he just bought a new pickup. And I liked the guy a lot. And uh, he could never quite find his contentment in life. He... He had issues he, in, a lot, in a lot of areas of his life. But this is just one example. We're driving down the road in this new truck and it still stinks like a new truck stinks. I don't have that problem with many of mine. So my, I've got some vehicles that got 350,000 miles on them. But this and this and did not have that and it did not smell like mine smell. But uh, we're driving down the road. He gets to tell him about all the things. He's going to do the wheels. He's going to put on this thing to... The different things he's going to do to it, the, the, the toner he's going to put on it, the bulletproof, I don't know what all he's going to do, but it's a lot of money. It's probably worth, worth what he's going to do to it is worth more than my vehicle's worth. I'm thinking, you know, just, but that's his thing. Now, now, Joe's got a different problem. He's got different things he, he has trouble looking at. We all have our own personal state 
of happiness that we're able to achieve, that we're able to connect with. And it's not dependent upon our health. It's not dependent upon our financial situation. I went to the hospice place over here when Tom was over there. Uh, the first time and the second time he was over there. Uh, anyway, the, the ladies that, that, that waited on him, they were just so amazed at how happy he was all the time. Tom was dying. And uh, they said, he just seems like he's just having a good time. <laughs> and uh, he had a young man come in and see him every day, and he didn't hardly know this guy. I asked who the guy was, and Charlie said, oh, it's somebody that he knows, and he's, but anyway, he knows her dad. And anyway, this kid was coming. Well, he got a Bible study with that guy. While he was in hospice, because the guy was just so impressed with how Tom upbeat he was, you know. You know, our personal state of happiness and contentment affects everyone around us, one way or the other. It isn't dependent upon what other people do to us. It's, it's what we do for ourselves and, and what we do to be ourselves. In Proverbs 14 and 14, we read, A good man shall be satisfied from himself. It just seems like some people can just be happy. No matter what's going wrong, no matter how bad things are, some people just they, they got a knack of being happy. Proverbs 15 and 13, we read, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. And to me, this is a part of the secret. Things feed on each other. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. It comes from the heart. And it comes from the heart being prepared and being in the right place. In Philippians 4 and 11, we read another thing that I think makes sense to me on this. And this is, this is Paul speaking here, but he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul talks about Having to learn this wasn't something he was born knowing. In fact, when we're born, we're born crying and screaming for everything we want. That's how we are when we're born. And as we grow and develop, then we learn how to do these things. But Paul talks about he had to learn how to be content. And think about Paul. Think about Paul and Silas when they were there in the, in the jailhouse. And they had their feet stuck in those, between those blocks of wood. And they had them setting up where it just make you cramp just to sit there in that position that long, it's for so long. And not just that, they'd beat them until they bled. Boy, you remember how they was screaming and hollering and cussing those jailers? No, you don't, because they weren't. They were singing praises to God when that was going on. That's what they were doing. So Paul's not making this up. He's not telling us to do something that he thinks a good idea that maybe you ought to try, but he, he don't do He's done this. Paul's telling it like he did it. And he really, to me, to me, that's the, that's what we need to look at is these examples. And realize that no, how, no matter how big things seem to us in our life, the big things are typically the small things, and the small things are typically the big things when we look backwards on it.
when we used used the lens of our of our experience and the word of God to look look at our life, many times the the little things that we've done means a lot to us. You know the the people that we've known in the Lord's church. They they have had more influence on us if we've let them than all the other people in the world. That's that's the relationships that we develop in the in the church and and with those that that we learn from. All things are full of labor. It don't matter what we're talking about. It don't matter if we're talking about this building. Don't talk about everything we've got that we do. It's just it's just a, a task to get through this life. And we'll never get done with that, or somebody won't get done with it. They, uh, you know, every day we eat, somebody's had to work hard to produce that food and to get it to us. And uh, it might be us. We might have had a garden and grow that food. It might be somebody on the East Coast or the West Coast or Minnesota, whoever, wherever. But there's, there's, there's so much labor in our life. We'll never see everything that we desire to see. I've gone on trips with my wife and always one more thing. She's got a list. We go, we got this list. Well, I want to see this, 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 this. this. Then we, we go down the road. Oh, I wish I could have seen that. I thought about yesterday, my grandmother, Renes. She, uh, every year we, when we, she was alive, we'd have Christmas, Thanksgiving at her house. And there's always one or two people that couldn't be there. She'd sit there in the kitchen. She'd just be just, just beside herself because that one person couldn't be there. Everybody else was there. We're never going to have everything like we, like we would desire to have it exactly perfect. But we have many opportunities to be happy and content with our life. You know, this is important. This will influence our families. This will show God how thankful we are for what He's, what he's given us. We will... Uh, Not just influence others, we will influence ourselves. And that's important. You know, we can develop habits of being content and happy. And that will that will perpetuate in our own life and it will make us feel better. It will make us feel closer to God and more thankful to God. This morning, if there's anyone here who would desire to have the help of this congregation for any purpose. We'd invite you to come forward and, and let our, your wishes be known while we stand and sing the song that's been selected as a song of encouragement. We ask this on behalf of the churches, come as you want to. Oh, then in the I come with a
Thank you, Joe, so much for those words. Definitely, that's the thing. To learn to be hard, it's hard to do, is to learn to be content with what you have. Oh, what a difference the world would be if we could all learn to do that. Keep everybody in your prayers, those of COVID. Obviously, there's those that are struggling. Otherwise, we have our list up here that Leland will turn back on, I'm sure, after. Other than that, we do have some meetings that were on the board. Of course, keep in mind with those. We'll see what happens on down the road, how everything turns out and what people do, but keep an eye on those. Otherwise, are there any other announcements from the brethren? Yes, Joe? They're not going to have our singing next week. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm not going to have the singing next week. I'm not going to be here. I guess what? I bet they won't be very much interested in it for a little while. Okay. Probably ate quite a bit, too. Just a tad. We'll kind of see from there. Um... Other than that, is there anything else? Glad those that were here were here. And if there's nothing else, we'll have our closing song by Austin, and Aaron will have our closing prayer. And if you'd like, send if you'd like for number 578. Number 578. You mind catching that, Dewey? Sing all four standards. Father God, as we come here before you today to close out our service, we ask that what we've done here today is pleasing in your sight. And 
Father God, we ask that as we go throughout our week, not only do we remember you this Sunday morning, but we also remember you all throughout our week and strive to be Christ-like in our lives. And Father God, we ask that we live our lives in such a way that as we go through them, that people see you in us and that we are a shining light on the hill for you. And Father God, we ask that you also be with all those that are sick and also those that are fighting overseas for our country. And Father God, we ask that you be with our leaders as they go throughout making decisions.